That was my my journey of codependency. Like I was just all about chesed. And then I was really angry because I would, there was no balance of glura in it at all, you know? And then it was chaotic. And then literally my vessel shattered, literally. Hello, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to another episode of Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Shui and Sheva Castell in honor of the work of the Human and Holy podcast and the listeners who are so open to self-growth. Thank you to the Castells for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode or become a supporter of the podcast on Patreon, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash human and holy, or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. Today, Miriam Cohen brings us the goods. This is such an amazing jam-packed episode where Miriam takes us on her personal journey through the seven emotional spheres. What does it look like to struggle with unrectified chesed? To give and give without end and wind up depleted and totally disconnected from yourself. And what does it look like to learn how to give from a place of fullness? To give without resentment. To give to those around us while still staying connected to every part of who we are. Join us as we explore the spheres through the journey of Miriam's story. My name is Miriam Cohen. We live in the mystical city of Tzfat. My husband and I run an online school called livekabbalah.com, and I have taught, teach in various institutions in Tzfat. And thank God, I am blessed to be the mother of all the spheres. Thank God. Hashem. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Can you share with us just a brief introduction of what the spheros are and then tell us when did you start feeling some type of connection to it that went beyond just it being a cool idea? Okay. So in a nutshell, the succinct version is that the spheros are the building blocks of creation. They are the spiritual DNA of the world. And the Zohar says that Hashem created the world through the Sphero in order to have a relationship with us, that God is infinite. And in order for an infinite God to have a relationship with finite man, he created the world through the Sphero. And all of creation, all the inanimate objects, animate objects, our souls and our physical bodies were created through the Sphero. Now, there are three intellectual Sphero and seven emotional Sphero. And the whole period, the essence of Sirat Omer is that we're counting these seven weeks. Each week is connected to a different one of the seven emotional sphero in order to refine ourselves, our animal souls, our emotional makeup, in order to prepare ourselves to receive the Torah. Nice. Okay. So this is something that I think like a lot of people aspire towards, really utilizing the spheres as a way of preparing to receive the Torah. You have had 
a real journey with these spheros. How did you get really immersed in the spheros and how did it become so deeply relevant to your life? I was actually teaching the spheroid in, I think, Mahanalta and in another seminary. And I was, you know, I was teaching it. I would say more from an intellectual perspective. I definitely appreciated it. But then around the age, I think I was 39 and everything looked great on the outside. You know, I was teaching and I was hosting a lot, involved in the community and everything looked great. But on the inside, I was really struggling. I was very anxious. I wasn't sleeping well. And then really things started to decline. Again, no one noticed it, but in my, I felt it, you know, inside me. And then I was 39 years old and I had a miscarriage. Thank God we had nine children at the time and I had a miscarriage. And I really went downhill. Like I really was extremely anxious. I remember just waking up and just the whole day feeling like my, te- my chest was super tight and I just felt this sense of anxiety. And I was really sitting with myself after that miscarriage and really being curious with myself, like, what is this? You know, obviously it's a, it's a very challenging situation, but I realized that the core of it all was that my whole essence was really tied up in being a mother, thank God, Baruch Hashem, and a caregiver and a nurturer. But it was kind of scary. Like I was 39 years old and I didn't know if I was going to have any other kids. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, who am I? Like, what is my life going to be like without just nursing and having babies and taking care of others? Like, who am I on the inside? Like, what do I really like to do? What do I enjoy? And I remember Mm. speaking to friends and telling them my feelings. And they're like, Miriam, you're crazy. Like, this is so exciting this time of life. You'll finally be able to pursue other things that you're interested in. And I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't, like I heard it, but I was just kind of this fear of facing myself was really challenging. And then things really declined to the Mm. point where one day I had like heart palpitations. I thought I was having a heart attack. I called my husband. He called that Salah. And I went to the hospital and they checked me out. They're like, you're fine. And the doctor said to me, maybe you're just having a panic attack. Maybe this is anxiety. So I came home and I was like, okay, like you really got to take this seriously. So I reached out to a therapist, an amazing therapist. And after a number of sessions, this therapist said to me, I think you're really struggling with codependency. Now that was like a big bombshell Mm. moment for me because when I started to look into what codependency was, it's essentially when a person, their whole essence, their whole life is they're just emotionally entangled in other people. They're nurturers, they're empaths, they feel feelings of others very strongly, but they don't have a strong sense of self. So they're people pleasing. Like I was constantly people pleasing. Like I didn't know how to say no. I was a real perfectionist Mm. because again, what is a perfectionist? It's like, I'm thinking about how are others going to perceive me? So that was a big, like a bombshell moment. Mm. And it happened to have been, it was during Sirsa Omer at that time. And I picked up a book called The Tools, which was basically, I wanted to like understand like how to help myself. And this book called The Tools had seven tools of self-help of how to really actualize your potential and really heal yourself. And I started reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, these seven tools that they're talking about in this book were connected to the seven emotional sphero. And I started really like, whoa, I had been teaching this for so long. The spirit, again, are our spiritual DNA. They're our emotional DNA, the emotional makeup of who we are. So if I really immerse myself into learning the sphero and really integrating these concepts of how they really apply to my life, I realize that is going to bring healing to my life. If like codependency in essence was unrectified chesed, unrectified giving, then if I really, really want to 
to really heal that, you know, I could go into the self-help world, I can go into the world of therapy, and that was all amazing and a very important part of the process. But at the same time, if I realize if I look at it from a spiritual perspective and really integrate the self-help and the psychology together, then I would really bring healings to myself. That's really how it started. Oh my gosh, what an amazing journey. I'm so excited to explore more and hear from you on this topic. That concept that codependency was unrectified chesed and that you recognize that you could explore that more through actually looking at chesed and what is the right balance of chesed with other spheros. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about that. What did you find within the spheros that could help you curb that chesed that was kind of running without end? without any Quran? So chesed, which is, you know, defined as love or kindness, desire, is this very expansive energy. So it says that Hashem is recreating the world and he created the world and is recreating the world at every moment through this attribute of chesed. So it's really like the fundamental spiritual quality of the world. So, you know, I realized when I kind of really sat with that and integrated it and digested that, I was like, whoa, like I realized that my relationship with Hashem was really not a loving relationship, even though for so many years I had been immersed in Hasidus. Like I kind of realized, wow, I didn't look at Hashem really through that lens of love. And really I wasn't looking at myself from that Mm. lens. Like I realized that I didn't have this sense, like there was so much self-hate and self-judgment and a a sense of shame within myself. And again, if this is the spiritual fundamental energy in the universe, like it's here for me. That was like a big, like, whoa, aha moment in this process. And it even says that Hashem is recreating the world at every moment through the Yudke Vavke, the highest name of Hashem. And if we break down the gematria of Yudke Vavke through each letter, like Yud, you spell it out, Yud Vav, Dalit, like there's a way of spelling it out in gematria that way, that it comes out Yudke Vavke to 72, which is the same gematria as Chesed, as love, as kindness. So again, this idea like it's here for me. Like I don't have to go so far out to feel Hashem's love and to really feel the love within myself. Now, it says also about chesed, that chesed is compared to water. Now, just like water, it flows from above to below. So it says that Kabbalistically, it's kind of like the perspective on high, as if we're like zoning out and we're going up high to this perspective of high. So let's say, for example, you're on an airplane and you're looking over the Bahamas or Yerushalayim or you're you're on this airplane, you're looking out the window over Harlem or a garbage dump, like it's all going to look beautiful, And that's really how Hashem looks Mm. at the world from this vantage point of high where he just sees us from this perspective of light and love and goodness and kindness. But again, I was like, why am I not seeing myself from that perspective? So just kind of tapping into that energy really helped me start integrating these teachings. And then Blaine, if you look at the word for love, again, I felt like this journey for me was in really understanding what is love, what is self-love and really how to love another in a healthy way. So we look at the word for love, it's ahava in Hebrew. Mm. Ahava is love, but inside the word ahava, we have the word have. Now the Zohar says about the word have that when a dog barks, this is what the Zohar says, <laughs> he's saying have, have, which means to take, like take, take, like a dog is all about me. You know, the idea of like the dog is just receiving for the self. And I realized that for me, my whole essence was tied up in giving and nurturing and caretaking, but I didn't know how to be a receiver at all. I was the woman that was like having all these Shabbos guests and like, I just did it all myself. And, you know, and I didn't know how to actually receive help and even really how to receive love. 
Then I really sat with myself and realized that the whole idea of receiving really is the essence of femininity, which is malchus, right? Malchus is the idea of the vessel, which is the final culmination of all the sphero. It's like the cup that holds it all. And I was giving, mm. but I wasn't receiving. So therefore, my giving wasn't coming from a healthy place because I wasn't filling myself up. And it says, actually, David HaMelech, who is the chariot, the embodiment of Malchut in this world, he says about himself that I am a kosi rivaya, I'm a cup that's overflowing. And in other words, when we're giving from a place of depletion, when we're giving from a place of we're just totally dried out, like we're just running and taking care of and nurturing, but we're not taking care of ourselves. And especially as women, you know, there's so much that we have to do, so much that we have to give. And when we're not taking care of ourselves, then we're not this cozy really yet. We're not a cup that's overflowing. We're giving from this place of depletion. And I really felt like that also mm. really helped to shift things within me. Like the idea of malchus is the idea of this vessel, that our vessel needs to be whole in order to contain all of the light and in order to overflow. And, and then I really started like valuing self-care, what it means to exercise, to eat well, to really take care of myself, to take out time for myself. And really take care of my physical body. And that was also a very big part, I would say, of my um, healing journey. Definitely a very big part. Wow. Okay. Before we explore a little bit about where else it led you, I just want to pinpoint how much I loved that have because it's like a real relationship. It's reciprocal. And if there's no ability to receive within the love, which I guess is part of the codependency, which is that you always have to give and you always have to be in the giving position, then it's not really ava. And being able to see the world from that perspective of chesed first, that we're able to like really experience love. I love how you pinpointed that too, that chesed is the first emotional sphera. It's like the foundation of everything. From that place, you can give from a place of true chesed because it's like actually true love because it's focused on everyone, not on yourself and on others, and not only on others to the detriment of yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I really feel like in that process of, thank God, I always felt like, you know, I really valued being a mother and really working on my relationship with my children. But I did really see when I started taking out that time to receive for myself, even that relationship with my kids, that, that ability to really love, like my heart really just opened and expanded. And all my relationships, Wow. So much more deep and real and loving and meaningful in that process. Can you share a little bit about how you experienced your codependent tendencies? I, I really think that codependency like exists on a spectrum. People experience it differently. How did you experience it and how did you begin to give to yourself? So it's really interesting. I mean, I think I would say I was on a very severe spectrum of codependency, you could say, because when a person is so codependent and they're so emotionally entangled in others, I really didn't even know about who I was on the inside. Like I'll tell you, for example, like I have a master's in occupational therapy and it really wasn't even a career that I chose. Every element I realized about myself was something that other people kind of, I looked at others to think, oh, wow, like, is that something that would be good for me? Even in a sense of style, like a personal sense of dress or style, I realized I didn't have a sense of what do I like to wear? What really reflects who I am? I was always looking around and being like, oh, what do other people wear? I remember my husband would even tell me, where do you want to go out? Like, let's go out. Where do you want to go? And I was like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Like, it was so this sense where I just didn't have a sense of self. Like, everything was just intertwined in mm. others. Yeah. So I would say it was pretty severe. But I have to say, as a coach now who really works a lot with codependency, I see 
a lot of women really struggling with this in various levels of severity. I would say mine was very severe and it definitely was a very big healing process. But I think a, a lot of women do struggle with this, and especially as women who are constantly giving and giving and giving. For many years, we kind of lose a sense of ourselves. And it's so important to really make that connection again to ourselves and to receive and nurture ourselves and really get really connected to who we are again in this process of motherhood and in our relationships. How did you begin to reconnect to that sense of self and to rediscover who you were? So it really took a lot of curiosity, a lot of really, you know, like it says, the chachma is koachma, you know, the highest window of our souls. And I really had to sit with myself a lot, you know, like for years as a child, I actually loved to swim and I didn't swim for many years. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to swim again. And I realized, wow, I like, I just loved it. You know, it was like so nurturing to me. So I was kind of like, just kind of playing with things. Like I started like an aerobics class and then I was like, do I really enjoy it? Or is this something that my friend just enjoys? And I'm just like hung, going along because my friend enjoys it. I was like, mm. oh, what? I actually don't really enjoy that. But swimming was something I really enjoyed. And I remember being in the store and being like, okay, Miriam, breathe in. Like, what is your style? Like, who are you? What is your, your unique expression in the world? And like shopping actually became a really fun experience. Mm. It took a lot of curiosity, mm. a lot of really sitting with myself and I also want to say, I had to really kind of go to the other extreme, like the Rambam says, like, in, you know, sometimes you have to go to the other extreme in order to go back to the middle ground. So I stopped really hosting a lot of guests. I cut back on a lot of my responsibilities in the process. And I want to say now that I did that, I'm able to go back and integrate that in a much healthier way. Like I'm able to now host guests and bring people, you know, host and teach. And, but it's so much more integrated because I know my limits. I know my yeses. I know my noes. And it's coming from just a much more healthy, balanced place within me. So I don't feel in a sense that like my giving actually got less. It actually really, I think, improved, you could say, even in quality. Like I'm much more present to my guests. I'm much more present to my family, even though, again, mm. I can be out of the house more because I'm doing some things for myself, you know, at various times. And it was a process. It was a lot of like a big learning process in it and a lot of kind of like, you know, making mistakes and coming back and feeling it out the balance. But thank God it was quite a journey. <laughs> oh, I love how you said that the quality of what you give to others has improved. It's like when you are more present with yourself and you are like more deeply within yourself and able to own who you are, you're able to show up so much more deeply for others. Like I love how you said that even just your love for your children expanded because you were just coming from a totally different headspace. You were not giving from a place of being depleted. How did you find the balance? Like practically speaking, what is the balance for you right now of giving to yourself and giving to others. You mentioned that you, thank God, have many children and many responsibilities. So how have you made that time to continuously nurture yourself and continuously be there for your family or whoever else you have responsibilities towards? So I will say, I think that journey of healing codependency really came through understanding and integrating the teachings of what is Gvura. So maybe I'll just jump on into that because I think that's a very big part mm. of that process. Yes. We have Avram, who is the chariot of this perfected chesed in the world. Now, from him, he has two sons. He has Yishmael and he has Yitzchak. So Yishmael is this idea mm -hmm. really of unhealthy, unrectified chesed. And it says about Yishmael that the Zohar says that it's kind of like if you have a goldsmith, 
and he is melting the gold. What comes out of that is this chaff, this excrement, and that's Yishmael. And it says about him that he had anger. He was like an angry person, you know, he had like resentment and anger. And I really, that's a very big part of like my codependent healing was also this idea of when a person is doing something from a place of depletion and they really start listening in and tuning into their inner voice, there is anger within them. Like I realized, like I was resentful. I was hosting 10 guests or, you know, 15 guests, you know, mm. sure, you can come for sure. But underneath it, when I really sat with myself, there was a sense of resentment within it. And I think that's a real barometer, you know, for like unhealthy giving when we're really emotionally honest with ourselves and like, wow, how does that really feel? Like, how does that make me feel? If I start feeling resentful, that is like a sign that it's unhealthy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like, oh my gosh. Okay. Continue. Yeah. And who is his other son? Avram's other son is Yitzchak. And Yitzchak is this chariot in the world of Gvura, which is really all about mm. boundaries and going inward and creating, you know, borders with others and with ourselves. And the thing about Gvura, I think, is that a lot of people think that Gvura is like mean or, you know, you're being tough, you're being Gvura, but really, really Gvura is actually, it says Kabbalistically, the highest level of giving. It says even rain, which is, again, we said rain, water is chesed, in the Gemara, it calls it gvuros keshamim. Because again, rain without gvura, without borders, is destructive. When we're creating a boundary with another person or with ourselves, and we're actually learning to say no when we need to, is actually the highest level of giving. If we look at the name Yitzchak, who again is embodiment of gvura, his name comes from the root word tzchok, which means laughter, which is interesting because like you would think Yitzchak, which mm. is the energy of Gvura. When we think of laughter, we think much more of this expansive oh, nice. energy, right? Because that's his essence. Yeah. Like he's, in t- he's giving in this real way. It's really about the highest level oh. of giving. Like I really like to call Gvura as the conscious choice of the outcome that you desire. You know, like with children, when we're actually saying mm. no or putting down a, like a, a boundary with a child, it's because we love them so much. And so we're doing that. It's the highest level of giving. But, you know, it really takes, again, especially if you're codependent and you're not used to this, this is not your language. It takes a lot of going inward. And it says that gvura is the idea of fire. Fire is the idea of below to above. Also, what does it say about Yitzchak? We don't hear so much about him, like in the Torah. You know, of all the forefathers, there was not so much about him in the actual storyline of the Torah. What do we do see, though, about Yitzchak? We see that he's digging wells. Again, what's the idea of digging wells is going deep within our consciousness, like to really implement Gvur in a healthy way, mm. in a way that it's really about love. It's really about the highest level of giving. We really have to go into ourselves very, very, very deeply and be like, wow, like, Again, what is the outcome that I desire and how am I going to interact with this person because for their benefit, because we love them so much. So again, this boundary is about that love. It's an expression of the love that we have for this other person. And I really feel like, I mean, wow. Yeah, it's powerful. It's definitely very powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. The time that we're in right now, you know, it says like the whole rise of the feminine, that Malchus is rising. 
But, you know, and we think about like this time period of the embodiment of Malchus and what that really means and because Malchus is the idea of Mashiach. But it says also that the feminine is connected to Gvura, that the right side of the spheratic tree is the idea of Chesed and the left side of the spheratic tree is the idea of Gvura. So I really think about this idea that the feminine is rising, that before Mashiach, that really implementing Gvura and boundaries again in a healthy way, in a way where we're coming to it from a place of it, the source of it is love. The source of it is really the highest level of giving is a very big avodah. It's a very big spiritual work of the time that we're in right now. Yeah. And I really see that like for ourselves and for others, you know, like I think that sometimes for other people, and this was something that was also very hard for me to say no to other people, or, you know, I was letting people like walk all over me. I was people pleasing, like whatever, you know, I don't matter. And then when I really learned this idea of Gura, I realized that when I actually put up a boundary with someone and I say, this is not cool, like you can't treat me this way. It's actually the highest level of love for that person because I'm giving them the opportunity to do tshuva. You know, when we really, really care about another person's soul and we say, no, like I'm not going to take being treated like this, we're giving them the opportunity to do tshuva. And that's the highest level of love and giving that we could actually give to another person. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Because when we're in this mindset of codependency and people pleasing, it's hard for us to say no or to put up a boundary, but it's like, no, I really, really care about you and I love you so much. I care about your soul so much. So I'm not going to let you keep on treating me in this way and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do chuva by actually putting up a boundary with myself and saying like, this is not cool. Like this is not going to work for me. On a very practical level, I definitely have experienced that, that idea. It's not just like the soul doing chuva, but it's actually the human being having the opportunity to repair whatever was trespassed in the relationship. So if they crossed a real boundary for you and you're able to communicate that to them, I can really clearly see how that's a gift that you give to them to be able to respond and to repair. If the relationship is meaningful to them, they want the opportunity to repair and to reconnect with you. So when being able to like set that boundary and to clearly communicate what you can't really receive from them is a gift to them to be able to really connect with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So another thing that I've also been really conscious with is with my children of really teaching them this idea of healthy boundaries. I think it's a very important part. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I don't know when we're eating supper and all of a sudden the doorbell rings, you know, I feel like my kids are usually jumping up or, you know, the phone rings and immediately they feel like, oh, your phone is ringing. You have to see who it is. And it's like, no, teaching kids this idea of borders is really an opportunity for them to connect to their love for themselves, their self-love. And when they, again, love themselves, then they're going to really be able to love others in a much more wholesome and real way. And I also want to say another point with this is that before this world was created, there was the world of Tohu. Now, the world of Tohu was a world where each sphera was just expressing itself divinely expressing itself without integration with the other sphero. So there was just chesed, full expression of chesed without being integrated with gvura. There was just gvura without being integrated with teferet and so on and so forth. But what happened was the light was so great, but it couldn't contain itself. And then there was shvira sakalim. And then Hashem created our physical world, the world of tikkun. So I think it's a very important part of that 
when we're just coming from just chesed, without balancing it with gvura, then we're not in this place of integration. It's like toho. It's chaotic. I mean, that's where I was. You know, that was my my journey of codependency. Like I was just all about chesed. And then I was really angry because I w- there was no balance of gvura in it at all, you know? And then it was chaotic. And then literally my vessel shattered, literally. But when we're coming to it from a place of integration, when we really start learning about how to integrate borders and, and boundaries and gvura and self-compassion and, you know, all the other sphere within it, then we're coming from this place, this world of integration And then we actually expand our vessel. And I really want to say then I felt like things I kind of used to, like when I would sit with myself and be angry, you know, you could say, or resentful, I really expanded my vessel and I really was able to, again, expand my quality and quantity of what I could do. Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking about resentment is that when you're operating from that place of fullness, things that might have made you feel so resentful previously no longer make you feel resentful. Like something as simple as waking up early in the morning with your children can make you feel so resentful if you are so depleted. But if you are so full, then obviously, yes, it's challenging and you'd rather stay in your bed and you have to push through that. But it doesn't feel like it's coming from that place of resentment. Exactly. And when you really integrated all the spherotes within you, like when you're just, again, coming from this place of like one dimensional, then again, we're not integrated. We're not fully embracing our whole self. And then once we fully embrace this idea of like integration of, again, not coming from this toho, this chaotic place, but more from this place of tikkun where, where I know about how to create boundaries. I'm I'm receiving. I know how to have compassion for myself. I know what that really means. Then again, we're able to, what you're saying, like wake up early, give to our children, but we feel our vessels are full. Our vessels are expanded. Our heart is open. We're able to do with more joy and with less of that resentment. And it's a process. I would tell anyone who's really struggling, it's, it's a process. It's a real journey. And you have to really be very emotionally honest with yourself. And again, people that are codependent because they so don't have this connection to themselves, it takes a long time to kind of like figure out that language of like, what am I actually feeling? Like really sitting with your own chachma, mm. your own koachma, with your own curiosity of being like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling inside? How does this make me feel? And it's, it's a process. And it's definitely important, I think, to reach out to a good therapist or a coach in that process. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about Teferis and what your journey has been in integrating Teferis. So we did chesed. We did approaching yourself from a place of chesed and recognizing that there's unrectified chesed and gevur can come to really enhance what chesed is. So then where does Teferis come into the picture? Okay. So Teferit is defined as harmony, as truth, beauty, compassion. So it's really the harmony, again, of this chesed and gvura. So some people think of it, it's like there's red, which is gvura, and there's white, which is chesed, and Teferet is pink, but it's actually not. It's actually like a mix, you could say, of like red and white, because it's really both. Beauty, anything beautiful, think about it, like any music that's beautiful or any art piece that's beautiful or food that's beautiful. It's really this combination, this harmony, this blending of both. So practically for ourselves, it's really becoming in touch and in tune to the different parts of ourselves, like not hiding parts of ourselves in the closet. 
There's parts of ourselves that we like, and there's parts of ourselves that we're happy to show to the world. And there's other parts of ourselves that we're just like hiding in the closet and we're really embarrassed about, and we don't have a loving relationship. We don't have a compassionate relationship with ourselves. Then we're not in this place of integration. We're not in this place of harmony, of beauty, of our full self. Mm. So I'd like to say what compassion really is. Compassion is observing we're really being present with our full self, with a full gamut of our emotions, with all the different parts of ourselves, but without judgment. And again, that takes a lot of, of chachma, a lot of curiosity to really start learning about the different parts of ourselves and really becoming friends with the different parts of ourselves. And that's why the idea of like the shadow self, you know, it's spoken about in like the self-help psychology world, the idea of this shadow self. Now, interesting, I was I think a lot about this, like the idea of a shadow. So if you're standing against the wall, the shadow is really big. But once you take a step back, the shadow gets smaller. Mm. And that's really what compassion is. Compassion is, again, is like really being observing, observing to ourselves, being present with ourselves, but without judgment. And, you know, it says mm. that Yitzhalel, he was the one that built the, the Mishkan, and what's the idea of every single person, every single one of us, every single one of us are supposed to have an inner Mikdash within ourselves. And I think it's really interesting that the whole idea of the shadow, like of really building our own inner Mikdash is very much connected to our shadow selves, of really starting to learn about it, become friends with it, understanding its language, and just really becoming its friend. So I'll tell you a little secret, Tanya, you could actually see it. So whenever I teach... I have a little chair next to me. You could actually see it. It's right here. Mm-hmm. Right here. And I always say, this is like for my shadow self. Like it used to be really scary for me to share my voice. Like really scary. Like I was so terrified to share my voice. Mm. There was a part of me like I didn't like my voice. I didn't connect to my voice. And I realized when I actually became friends with this mm. part of myself, again, like I, I harmonized, I integrated, and I started like, having a connection with all these parts of myself. And I'm like, hey, you're just going to sit next to me. Like, I'm friends with you. You're going to be with me when I'm teaching and I'm sharing my voice. It helps us to deal with this, this shadow part of ourselves because it's not scary anymore. It's not like, ooh, that mm. shadow, that scary ghost that's like coming out of the closet becomes our friend. The ferret is also the middle column sphere. So all the middle column sphere are coming all the way down from Keter. So that's also this idea of truth, of speaking our truth, of expression, which is really the idea of flow. Like I know when we were talking about before the podcast, you're like, let's not like talk about this too much before because you want it to be very authentic and truthful, our conversation. And that's Tiferet. Tiferet is truth. Like the idea of Yaakov, Yaakov, it says Titina Emmet Yaakov, that Yaakov is the idea of truth. And it says that Yaakov chevel nachlaso, that Yaakov is like this rope, just like a rope. When you pull from the bottom, it pulls down from the top. That the idea of truth and connecting to our voice and expressing ourselves really comes from this place of channeling from a very high place within ourselves, this idea of flow. So I think when a person mm. really has like a loving relationship with themselves, And I would say, again, that was like a very big part of my healing journey of like being able to use my voice and share my voice and express myself. Then I'm coming from this place of flow. Like I know if I over prepare a class, like it's not going to come out good, Mm. you know, (laughs) because then it's not, you know, like there's me, there's too much of me. I'm not like flowing from, from Hashem. I'm not like this humble vessel, which is just channeling down Hashem's light. And that's the idea of truth as well. Yeah. That's so good that Tiferis is not just the integration of Chesed and Gvura, but integration of all parts of ourselves. 
you introduced your journey with codependency as a mother specifically when you kind of had this reckoning of like, who am I going to be when I'm not a mother? And I think that this really speaks to that, which is that sometimes like mother could be a really big part of someone's identity. But when we pin our entire self on one part of our identity and do not allow all parts of ourselves to be integrated. We do a disservice to anyone that we give to because we're not able to give because we're just a fraction of ourselves. And I think that what you're sharing with Teferis is so powerful and that it encourages us to really welcome all parts of ourselves and not just like you mentioned the shadow self and also all of our strengths and also all of our interests and hobbies and curiosities and and friendships and and all parts of ourselves so we could be so integrated so that we could show up fully in that state of flow when we're giving to people when we're giving to the world when we're in our lives it just totally changes the game totally changes ourselves and our contributions to the world absolutely yeah absolutely it's so powerful. So, so powerful. And it's really something that Lubavitcher Rebbe really stressed, this idea of like women should use all their gifts and all their talents mm. and all their strengths because again, we're yeah, we're integrating all of ourselves. And then whatever we're doing, we're doing with so much more joy because it's like all of us is there. All of us is present. So true. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Netzach. Okay. Netzach is translated as endurance, victory, fortitude, and it also means eternal. And it's really the implementation of chesed. So we could have an idea that we want to give to someone, we want to do something, we want to give tzaka, but again, there's that implementation, which is netzach. And it's really the idea of the ability to stick mm. to something, sticking to a goal. Like I like to think of it as what Nike says, which is like, just do it, you know? And really netzach and hod actually go together in, in our body. It's the right foot is, is netzach and the left foot is hod. It's like they really work together in synchronicity. So there's the idea of sticking to something, but there's also the idea then of holding back, of like really examining, like, wait, like, how's this going? Is this going well for me? Is this something I really want to do? Am I doing it properly and effectively? So that's really this balance again of netzach and hod. But something really interesting about netzach that really hit me is that this whole idea of doing and having goals and sticking to something for me, energetically, it kind of felt like much more of like a gavura energy. Like, you know, I have to just do this. I have to just stick to it. For me personally, my journey with it was much more like a harsh gavura, like constricted energy. But it's not. It comes from the side of chesed, which is expansiveness. And I think that really says a lot to us about how we have to go about our doing and our goals and our day-to-day, our lists and our planning Mm. is that we have to really come to it from this place, this energy of expansiveness. And a lot of that really has to do with like the language that we choose. Like if it's like, I have to do this or I should do this, I need to do this. That's like, if you think about it, kind of almost like feel it within your body. You feel like this constricted energy. When you say like, I want to do this, I love to do this. Mm. It's much more expansive. So it's really the language and also just the energy that we want to feel when we're actually doing something from a place of netzach, of expansiveness. I'll give you an example. Like I like to wake up early. I like to wake up before my kids wake up. And I just, I wasn't able to be consistent with it for a long time. 
And then I made this shift when I started learning about Netzach of when I would set my alarm at night, instead of saying, okay, I want to wake up because I have to do this to-do list. I want to like learn and I want to dive in and I want to prepare some food in the morning. I would actually think about this expansive feeling that I feel when I wake up, like kind of almost like envision the birds chirping and hearing the birds and like that feeling of expansiveness that mm. that's inside waking up early. And then I was actually able to wake up early. So I think that's a very big part of it, you know, and interesting is that Netzach also means eternal. So, you know, you kind of think to yourself, like, why am I not able to be consistent with this? But I think the the real message here is that if we want something to be eternal, a goal that we're going to be able to stick to, it has to have this energy of expansiveness, of chesed, of love for ourselves, and this kindness, this loving energy that has to really permeate it. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, another thing is that Netzach and Hod are compared to the willow branches. Like if you look at the Arba Minim, the four species. So Netzach and Hod are, are the willow branches, the Arava. So very interesting is that the willow doesn't have a taste and it doesn't have a smell, right? That's of the four species, the one that there's no taste and there's no smell. But when we look at the meaning of arava, what does it mean? It comes from the root word arave, which is, means delightful or pleasure. So what does that really mean in our life? Like sometimes when we're doing something, we're going through this process, we have a certain goal that we want to do or you know, anything in our life, and we don't always feel the inspiration in the process. You know, it doesn't always feel inspiring to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. It doesn't feel it always feel so inspiring to, you know, I'm sure record a podcast every week and have it on your head, right? But at the same time, when we actually stick to things and when we actually do things, even though we don't feel the taste, we don't feel the smell, we don't feel the inspiration in the process, but that really is delight. That really is pleasure. Is like kind of just this like actually implementing our goals and really knowing when we have to hold back. That really brings, again, the ultimate pleasure, the ultimate delight in our lives. That's very resonant, that idea. And I like how you said that like Netzach is connected to Chesed because it's so true. Like if you want something to be eternal, it has to come from that place of love and positivity as opposed to that place of obligation. And I think that sometimes it's really just like a mindset shift. Like you said, it's not even about changing what you're doing. Sometimes it's about changing how you think about what you're doing. Like that example of waking up early and envisioning the birds chirping and envisioning that expansiveness of actually waking up early, like just changing the way you think about it is what changes your ability to show up for it. For sure. And even like, I'll tell you, I'm like allergic to folding laundry. Like I really, <laughs> I find it really challenging. But when I started learning this idea, I started realizing, wow, like if I put on a podcast or I put on music, I make it more of like a fun, expansive, loving mm. experience. Then it just became much more joyful. And I'm actually able to fold my laundry. Like I don't have mounds of laundry all over, you know? So I think <laughs> there's so many practical applications to this. Yeah. Okay. So hode is splendor, glory, humility, and it's really this idea also of gratitude. So again, hode is the idea of the implementation of gura, this holding back 
where again, Netzach is proactive. This is more the holding back. And Hod really is the idea also of a gratitude, of Hoda'ah, being grateful. And it's really the essence of who we are as Jewish people. It says we're, our, we're Yehudim, which comes from the root word Hod. The first thing we say every morning is Moda'ani, which is the idea of gratitude. And I felt for myself, gratitude really brings you back to the presence. And when we're really present, that really also is a big aspect of dealing with anxiety. Anxiety is about the future. So what's going to be? But when we really have gratitude for every little thing in our life, we come much more back to being in the present moment. And that really was also a very big part of my healing personally. Okay. So then we have Yisod. Now Yisod is bonding or connection. It's the idea of Yosef Atzadik. It says Atzadik is Sod Olam. He's the foundation of the world. Now, in order to really connect to others, we really have to be able to bond. Now, what does bonding mean practically? So our child could be screaming, right? And they could be having a temper tantrum, but really they don't need discipline at that point. They need love. So really Yisod is when we're really connecting to another, really bonding to another person, and we're able to really come out of ourselves and be like, okay, wow, this kid is acting out so much, they're screaming, but really they just need a hug right now. And it takes a very deep, again, bonding and connection. And that's the idea, again, that Yisod is this middle calm sphere that goes all the way up because we really have to go to a very high place within ourselves to come out of my emotional instinct, which is like, oh boy, this kid is like making me crazy now, you know, and to be able to know this kid actually just needs a hug. They need a lot of love right now. And that's really Yisod. And really going up high to really see what the other person needs. Nice. I love how I'm really recognizing that each of the spheres is really rooted in the first one, in chesed, like in being able to see things with compassion, with kindness, and like using that as the foundation for whatever the sphere is. Like gura is not being mean. It's it's a, it's actually the ultimate kindness to give a boundary. And then here with Yisod, the idea that recognizing that what this person needs right now might be love and not discipline. Absolutely. You hit it on the nail, Tanya. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go into Malchus a little bit. I think Malchus as women is so powerful because it's really the feminine of the spheral and it's defined as royalty and kingship. Now, Malchus, we discussed a little bit before, but I want to touch on this idea that Malchus means that we're co-creating our reality with Hashem. And we are constantly birthing. We're constantly co-creators with Hashem. So when I was going through this process of that miscarriage and this thing of like, whoa, like, oh my God, I'm 39. I may not have any children anymore. But like, again, like we're always birthing. We're always bringing newness to the world. We're always really able to, what can I contribute? What can I give to the world? That is Malchus. And it's also being very present again. Malchus is being within the world, in the here and now. And really about the vessel, the body. And I think that was another very big part of my journey, my healing journey, was really becoming connected to my body, really learning how to regulate my nervous system, what that even meant, breathing. Again, and that ties into really what we're seeing in the beginning of self-care and valuing taking care of our body and eating well and exercising is a very big part, I feel like, of our personal gaula, of bringing that into our lives. And another very practical application that I really feel is that when we're doing healing work, 
a lot of times we can get very stuck in what happened in the past, our childhood traumas, things that our parents did to us maybe growing up. But healing can only happen again in the present, in malchus, in the here and now. So it really is about at the end of like looking at patterns, being curious with ourselves of like triggers in the here and now, patterns that we're experiencing in the here and now. Mm. And how to really, we can heal ourselves only in the present moment. And that was another very big to me reality of like what Malchus is, like really working in the here and now as much as, again, we have to go back to see what led us to where we are now, but the healing happens here. And again, it's really about integrating all Mm. this into our vessel because the body, again, is this communication with our soul. I feel like as women, if we could like kind of sum this up, I really feel of really valuing ourselves as this vessel that if a vessel has holes in it, everything's just going to fall out. So in order to really have this vessel that's overflowing, it's again, working with our malchus, working with our vessel, integrating all the lights of all the different sphero, not just being, okay, I'm about chesed or I'm about gvura and I'm just one dimensional. Mm. But again, recognizing that place that our malchus, our vessel is whole. And in order to like bring the light within ourselves, we have to have this whole vessel and then it overflows. Oh, it overflows. That's such a beautiful concept that like sometimes you can look at different things to focus on. Let's go with chesed. Like you start with chesed and you want to work on chesed, but if you don't include everything else within it, then obviously the chesed is not a healthy chesed and it's not really a whole chesed. And so saying that, that it has to include all the spheres within it in order to be like fully whole is a really important piece. And I love what you said about the here and now too, that it's about really focusing right now, where am I holding right now? Where can I improve just for today, just for this moment, this week, as opposed to like really sitting in the past. I would love if you could share, where are you right now in this process? Because you spoke about how you had this big moment when you began this journey, but where are you right now in the machas, in the here and now of your journey? Where are you and how are you navigating and integrating these spheres into your life? So it's interesting you're asking me that today because I was actually just having this conversation. I, I definitely feel it's been a long journey. Listen, it's been about six years in the process. And thank God, I could say I'm really mostly on the other side. Like I feel like I'm much more in tune to myself of really when I can give, how much I can give, what's a yes, what's a no. And, you know, because again, every no has a yes. Every yes has a no. And, you know, thank God I'm able to, again, have like big Shabbos tables and guests, but I also know how to get help, how to ask for help, how to have people come and help me, you know, when I'm doing that. And yeah, Mm. like, it's interesting. It's been a journey. It's a forward and a backwards and, you know, with everything in life. But I will say Thank God when you really, really sit and not only just learn these concepts, but really, really dive deep into them and really focus on integrating them. I feel like the barometer for me is like, how am I feeling in my body? And this is something I really learned. Like when I'm feeling regulated within my body, when I'm able to actually take a deep breath and not feeling constricted for me, and that's something that I could actually say within the past few months has actually shifted then I realized like I'm really integrating this because again, I'm integrating into my malchus. I'm integrating into my vessel. So thank God. I think I'm mostly, thank God, you know, mm. on the other side. It's a process, but I'm very, very grateful to have really learned these concepts. And thank God, really Hashem really blessed me to find the right teachers and the right coaches and the right therapists and to really integrate them. Thank God. I feel very blessed. Nice. 
What's your advice to anyone on this journey who is seeking to integrate the spheres in a really wholesome way? I'm going to go with, because this was our main topic, like specifically people who are struggling with that unrectified chesed. So the very beginning of all the spheros being kind of off balance and in like a really depleted place in their life, what would be your advice on how to begin the process of integration all the way down into the here and now where it actually is affecting their life? So I think the first step is to really start really learning about Gvura. Because again, that is really the energy that we really need to implement, to balance, to integrate the whole idea of like codependency, of really learning about putting up healthy boundaries. So again, and I think that like a lot of times, like again, what we said in the beginning, that you have to go to the other extreme. So like if you really feel like you're constantly taking care of others and people pleasing and, you know, nurturing others, like stop. Like stop and really listen into yourself. Really start being curious. Listen to your body. Really listen in like, wow, like, you know, when I realized like I was constantly in fight or flight, I was constantly coming from a place of being depleted and being in like adrenaline rush and really sitting with yourself and valuing yourself to really feel how you're feeling in your body and know it's okay to say no and really reach out for help. I mean, I'm very also open to like helping people like reach out to me. You can give my email, Tanya, on the podcast. I'm in mean, helping people with this journey of codependency. And to start also learning about self-care, what things do they like? What self-care can they actually start giving to themselves? Starting in all areas, eating, exercising well, how you can fill yourself up. And starting to really open up again with curiosity, like what do I like to do? What are my desires? What are these things that bring me pleasure? And to take time for that, to really value that and to really take time for that and not to be scared again to reach out for help in the process. Nice. All right. Thank you so much. This was so powerful. I'm like the amount of wisdom in here. I have to like go into each of the spheres and really meditate on it. Like we covered so, so many ideas. So thank you very much. And yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. Chesed. I learn to give without drowning. Gevura. I fashion vessels to hold my love. Tiferes. I bring my full self to the table. Netzach. I persevere from a place of passion, not fear. Hod. I trust my passion even when it simmers. Yesod, I approach the world with connection and love. Malchus, I take responsibility for my own story. I rise to greet this moment right now. I turn my gaze to the present, to my breath, to my vessel. I am made up of so much that came before me. But right now, I choose to live the life that I have. Elokai zakinina, betoratrau vimitotecha, alicha beret nishmati tamidinecha. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at humanandholy or via email at humanandholy at gmail.com.
New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.